This podcast is produced by Discipleship.org, championing Jesus' way of disciple-making. For a 10% discount on the National Disciple-Making Forum this October in Nashville, Tennessee, register at Discipleship.org and use the promotional code PODCAST. Producing this episode, I'm Chad Harrington. 35 years ago, Dave Buring had the opportunity to be discipled by Lauren Cunningham, the founder of YWAM, in Kona, Hawaii. Not a bad deal. That experience, which lasted a period of years, changed Dave's life forever. His mom was a 4.30 in the morning intercessory prayer, and his father made a bold move by leaving the business world in the middle of his career to go into ministry. But Dave's experience with Lauren showed him what disciple-making outside of the home can look like. Dave said his time with Lauren wrecked him for the rest of his life. He's never been the same since. From that time, he's poured his life and continues to pour his life into others, just like Lauren did for him all those years ago. Here's Dave on what disciple-making looked like in his life. When I was 18, I ended up in uh, Youth with a Mission, YWAM, and I had the privilege of having Lauren Cunningham, the founder of YWAM, be one of the guys that shaped my life. Wow. And so um, we happened to be at the same base in Kona, Hawaii. He took an interest in this young 18 to, you know, I was there from 18 to 25, and uh, traveled with him and, and did a number of things, but he really took the time to pass pass the ways of God onto me, and, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, another guy by the name of Winky Pratt, who's a New Zealander, and uh, Winky's another guy that's um, spoken into my life over the years, and I've collected um, fathers of the faith that have been older than me along the way, and uh, there's quite a pool of them, and you know how it is, Chad, it's like you glean the best from that person, and then there's other pieces, and so I've been somebody that was encouraged as a young guy if you see somebody has something that you know you need, pursue them, build a relationship mm. with them, and ask them to invest in your life. So I feel um, I'm very, very grateful for the people that were kind enough to take time to invest. What did Lauren Cunningham do for you exactly when he discipled you? So um, first he gave me um, real vision when it came to uh, the nations and God's heart for the nations, that it was when Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. He began to open my eyes, this little guy from Minnesota, uh, all of a sudden, you know, having a, a, a view of the nations. He, um, he began to impart to me, uh, again, term that I'll use a lot, Chad, is the ways of God. It's where I first begin to learn to hear the voice of God. It's where I begin to fall in love with the character of God. Um, it's where I begin to... Um, I guess, engage by invitation of the Lord in his mission. And so there was a lot of those kind of pieces. But there was one time I was traveling with Lauren, and um, I was 20, and he was probably pushing 50. And uh, he he said to me one time, he said, Dave, what do you think your gifts are? And, you know, at 20, you know, I'm trying to figure it out. And so I suggest a few things, and then he says this to me, Chad, and it just wrecked my life to this moment. He said this. He said, Dave, um, it doesn't matter how big the groups are that you will lead or the size of the audiences that you teach. What God is looking for is are you willing to invest what he's poured into you to the third and fourth generation? Hmm. And, and by third and fourth generation, then he quoted 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, and he said where you're willing to pour into somebody else have them turn around and do the same to the third, and then you might never meet that third or fourth one. And as a 20-year-old, that got planted really deep in me, and, and it, it, uh, it ruined me for the ordinary. I mean, I've never been able to look at life the same. 
And so as uh, in my mid-50s now, it's been, you know, 35, 36 years now of um, having that be my paradigm. And it's not about me discipling. It's about have I so poured into them that they can do the same for someone else that I did for them. So that became a whole new ball game for me, even as a 20-year-old. Yeah. My name is Lauren Cunningham. I'm the founder of YWAN. Since 1960, we've been working in every country of the world. Dave was a very a special young man with a special gift upon him of leadership. And uh, he worked here in the islands. He had put a team together. They went to every high school every week on our island. And uh, I could see then that, uh, that God had his hand upon him and that uh, I, I would just... Uh, give him whatever his questions were at the time, uh, biblical answers as I had found them and and had tried to use them in my life. So uh, he, he was, uh, he just had, had special giftings. When, when you spent time with Dave that, you know, back 35 years ago, what were the kinds of things you did with him while you traveled? You know, he said it was kind of a unique experience to be able to travel with you. Um, I was just curious, you know, how did you approach that time with him in terms of making disciples? Oh, I think is the real point is being natural, not trying to be religious. I think religion is uh, can be a, a barrier to breaking through to God's purposes in your life. And uh, I, I don't use my titles. I don't use my last name much. I I just want even the children to call me Lauren, and so in my that's the way I do uh, on campus with children and adults. And so when I'm off with a couple of young men or one or twenty, I I just try to be natural. And in my family, we have a lot of humor, and so I'll I'll throw in some humor because. It just seems natural to do so. And in that relaxed state of uh, not trying to uh, organize in a institutional way, I think what comes across is uh, their questions when they ask them. Get get an uh, honest answer. Just no frills. Just Just whatever whatever is uh, is natural, spirit natural. Yeah, I mean, to have the founder of YWAM pour into you, you know, on a road trip. Yeah. I can only imagine because, I mean, just having one-on-one -on -one time with him would have been awesome. Yes. But I think what what's cool about that story is that he was modeling by doing, by speaking into your life in that moment, he was modeling yeah. the very thing he was speaking into your yes. life. Yes, that's Because exactly you were right. the next generation. Yeah. What kind of things did you see in his life that really motivated you? Because someone can have those words, right? And it's it's just like blowing steam. What yeah. was it about him as a person that you saw that really yeah. motivated and and backed up those words of encouragement for you? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I saw a man of tremendous godly character, um, humility, um, servanthood of others. I mean, here he was the leader of what's now today the largest missions organization in the world, and yet. His willingness to serve and and walk in humility was tremendous to see. Um, I uh, 
I appreciated his um, faithfulness for many years in being obedient to what God had put in his heart. He was a very successful uh, minister in a denomination, and God spoke something to him about mobilizing young people around the world. I, I uh, admired the way that he obeyed Jesus, uh, not out of some rigid legalistic thing, but out of genuine love. Um, that was another piece. I saw the way that he uh, interacted with people of various nationalities around the world. And so th it's like if I, I know this is taking the cheap route and the short route here, but I saw much of the character of Jesus in the man. Mm -hmm. And even when being with him in situations where it was a bit hairy, um, I never saw overreactions. I saw honest heart stuff, but then immediately going to the Lord. And uh, so I watched somebody that I thought, I, I want to be like him when I grow up in these, those areas of Jesus in my life. You're listening to the Disciple Makers Podcast. We bring you stories of disciple makers who are making disciples that make disciples in the North American context. Today's episode is Dave Buring's story with Lauren Cunningham and Jeremy Camp. Dave's mission as the executive director of LionShare is to make disciple makers, those who make not just disciples, but disciple-making disciples. If you want to get equipped through LionShare or attend the LionShare D4 conference, go to lionshare.org. One of the major lessons that Lauren taught Dave when they were in Kona, Hawaii, during his teens and early 20s, was faithfulness regardless of numbers, large or small. So I asked Lauren the background to what he taught Dave. Lauren, I was curious, where did you get that message from in your own life? How did God teach you that? Well, I... Uh... Started, when I started out, I, I was invited to speak to a little Sunday school group on Saturday. And uh, this was in Los Angeles. And I, I really forgot. And to this day, it broke my heart when I found out they were waiting for me and I didn't go. And so I've, I've been very clear now for years listening to God, if he says yes or no, I get many invitations, but I can't take them all. And so my wife and I agree together and listen to, to the Lord. And when we both get a yes, then I can, I can say a yes. And so it's, it's really listening, obeying, and then trusting God. So if it's a little, little congregation, big one, doesn't matter. Uh, the most I've spoken to is three million. They said three to five million. I don't know. When they get up that big, I don't know how much they, how many people are there, and who can count them. But uh, that was in Africa. But uh, most of the time, I'm I'm speaking at, you know, uh, small groups of leaders, pastors, uh, leaders of uh, business and all kinds of leaders, because I find that in a small group, they have the power to multiply the message in their own lives as they personally are discipled or changed, transformed. Uh, and that comes about by applying the Word of God into their lives. And it helps to have somebody uh, coaching as a life coach uh, along the way, but one can do it if they will just immerse himself in the Word of God, asking the Holy Spirit to to guide and teach them. And I think that we need a little bit of both so that we don't get isolated in our spirit with pride and at the same time that we, uh, we delve into the Word of God 
with our own initiative. How have you seen Dave's journey develop uh, in recent years? I know you guys kind of met a long time ago, but he said you've interacted even recently. What's kind of your perspective on what God's doing in his life now? Well, I watch him. He, he has found the the ways of the Lord in, in guidance because uh, he's doing new things and uh, he's making connections with like businessmen to talk about businessmen and their relationships at home. And uh, I see him in uh, bringing together the leaders like he did us at, at the Cove, at Billy Graham Cove there in uh, uh, North Carolina and uh, filmed us as several of us were were seniors and talking about the uh, now the the role uh, that we would have in trying to to be the elders that we were meant to be and it, it was just a wonderful way I watched how he worked he could work with anybody well known non well known it doesn't matter and uh, to me that's that's a, a development into the very character of God who is no respecter of persons. That's Lauren Cunningham. We'll hear more from him later about his main message for the North American church with regard to disciple making. We're taking a break from the story to hear more about how you can grow as a disciple maker by joining the national conversation that's going on right now. For starters, join the discipleship.org National Forum for Disciple Making at Long Hollow Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee, this October 6th and 7th. This is a two-day conference specifically for you. If you're a leader of any type in the church, paid or unpaid, volunteer or on staff, pastors and laypersons alike will learn best practices for disciple-making today. It's on a Thursday and a Friday so that you can travel from just about anywhere in the country and still make it back for Sunday. This year's theme for the forum is called Culture Shift, Back to Jesus' Way of Disciple-Making. This conference is the first of its kind because 10 disciple-making organizations will all be in one place at the same time. One of those 10 organizations is LionShare, which Dave Buring founded. LionShare will host a track at the forum that is focused on the Holy Spirit, obedience, and transformation. Here's Dave on why he's coming to the National Forum on Disciple Making. Hey, I'm very excited that's right here in the town where I live. Um, and uh, I, I just think, uh, Chad, it's one of the keys to flipping our nation around. We're in a, a season as a nation where as we watch you know, everything from government, politics stuff going on to business stuff going on, all that, we're in desperate need of what we talked about, transformation. And I think, um, I think one voice is a much louder voice. And I think bringing together leaders who all have the same heart, it's, it's a group that when we talk with some of these leaders, we all use the language disciple-making. Uh, and making disciple makers because it's all the same to us. We all agree on that. But I think bringing, linking arms together and coming with one voice, it's going to make it a louder voice. And I, I do have a conviction um, that uh, last time this group was together, we were analyzing if we could choose uh, one target, who do we target? And uh, everybody brainstormed and shared their thoughts. It was all very, very good. But as we voted on it afterwards in the sense of, hey, what do you guys think? We all said, if you could transform senior pastors mm. and their teams, you could transform a nation. And most of the senior pastors, I'm not exaggerating here, Chad, when I say between 80 and 90% of my senior pastor friends throughout this country 
would say I have had very little to none when it comes to disciple making in my life. And these are the people who are leading our churches. They love Jesus. They've been greatly trained. They're tremendous communicators, huge pastoral hearts. But when I talk about this, they almost get sheepish or embarrassed or they feel like I've been missing out on something, haven't I? Yeah. And I think the the forum is letting some of these voices and the thing that I love about it, you know, we'll have to talk about it at some point. How much, how many years of disciple making is made up of this group? Cause it'd be <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Cause I'm sure it's probably three to four centuries worth because of the ages of some of these people that have been doing this for me. It's, this is like year 39 for me. And, and I'm just 56 and there's guys there that are older than me have been doing it longer than me, but to link arms and to be able to declare something uh, to the nation but also so practical that we want to know that everybody who, who comes has connected with one of these organizations and can walk with them into disciple making. And I, I'm very excited about that. I don't think it's a conference. I think it's a potential for a move of God, a, a flame to be lit. And uh, I think we'll be tested with that. I think we ha- are going to have to walk in great unity. And I think there has to be, instead of any competing, there has to be a laying down of lives for each other. And as we do that, as disciple makers, I just think God's going to breathe life on this thing. And I think it really does have an opportunity to have the kind of impact we'd all dream that it could. So I'm very excited about it. Register for the National Forum for Disciple Making at discipleship.org. Get a 10% discount if you're coming by yourself or bringing a group that's not yet registered by using the promotional code PODCAST. And now back to the story. I had asked Dave what disciple making looked like in his life. And he shared about his disciple maker, Lauren Cunningham. I followed up by asking him what disciple making has looked like for him as a disciple maker, someone who's investing into the generations to come. I have a little bit of a grid that I, I look through because of those experiences we've just chatted about. And I, I particularly look at um, three areas. I look at um, how do I pour the character of God in people so they actually look more like Jesus and their attitudes and who they are. I look at the ways of God, which is the hows, how God does stuff. You know, if, if we're going to be great in the kingdom, we've got to serve. You know, if you want wisdom, you need to fear the Lord, those kinds of things. And, and uh, helping people understand the ways of God, how God does stuff. And then the third one is aligning with the, the mission of Jesus. And so for me, a lot of my disciple-making focuses around, I want to see people reflecting the character of God, walking in the ways of God, and being about the mission of God. Hmm. And uh, it's just kind of my way of um, being deliberate. And so um, so I spend a lot of different fronts. As I lead Lionshare, there's events we do. There's the, the resources, which are you know, like Discipleship Journey. We just launched this month in German. And so we're, we're wanting to have the tool for other nations and nationalities and languages to use. Um, I, I lead something every year that's called The Journey. That is a six-month, very focused time of discipleship where I select leaders from what I call the dozen domains of society. So family, church, government, media, education, arts, entertainment, sports, business, science and technology, health, medicine, wholeness, environment, agriculture, nonprofit sector, and what we just call peoples. Because some people say, I'm not called to government, but I'm called to disciple young African-American men, et cetera, et cetera. So what we do is we find people who are serving those areas of society, and we walk alongside of them. And I invite them to walk with me for six months. And we do two retreats right here in Nashville, where they come from throughout the country. 
probably a third of them are usually people in ministry and two thirds are leaders in society, uh, government leaders, business leaders. And, um, and they're required to be at these retreats. I give them five hours of content a week to watch, read, or listen. And then every other week we use Zoom to kind of a Skype-ish thing to get on all at once and we talk about applying what God's been revealing to them. And so that's another front. And then and there's just leaders throughout the country that have invited me to walk with them. Some are help me and some are I've helped them. And now they'll say, will you help me? Um apply the ways of God to my leadership. And so some of them are in, you know, in business and there's folks in DC I'll walk with. And, and of course here in Nashville, there's artists, um, Jeremy Camp, Mandisa, several um, folks here in the, in the Christian community who are involved in that area. And we've walked with them and helping them apply the ways of God to their lives and ministries. And so Jeremy, you know, recently um, we talked about, um, a principle, what God initiates, he permeates. What you initiate, you have to sustain. And how often we initiate stuff that God's never really initiated. And then we end up having to breathe life into it. Mm. Instead of seeking God and knowing I'm only taking steps when I know God's in. Well, Jeremy now has said to me, I never again want to initiate anything. I just want to follow. Yeah. Why was that important in his life in particular? Yeah, he was, he was, uh, this is several years ago now. He was in the process of, um, we had dinner and he said, Hey, I don't know if it was tomorrow or that week, they were getting together with like their leadership team. And he said, we're going to whiteboard and we're going to, and, and I said, sounds awesome. I said, can I suggest something? And I taught him this principle and I said, Jeremy, the kingdom of God is not run on whiteboarding. The kingdom of God is run when we get our faces on the floor and we seek God and we listen, which means we need to have our hearts right first. So I encouraged him how to go about the process to make sure that they waited on the Lord first by saying, Lord, is there anything in my heart that I need to own repentance-wise or forgiveness-wise so that I, I'm clear to hear? And man, God did a work with his team that day. And so what I did in a backwards way was just reinforce his heart was already there but reinforce obedience to jesus out of love i'm jeremy camp and i am a minister of the gospel who happens to play music <laughs> how has dave been an encouragement to you in your journey um as a disciple of jesus i know that you guys met that first time and you've been hanging out for five years but specifically how has dave encouraged you uh, as you follow after christ you know, one thing that I, I love about Dave is that he started off with me, and you've probably heard this, what God initiates, uh, what God initiates, he permeates. And I remember that literally has stuck with me for this whole time because, you know, through the process of what I do, there's a lot of decisions that have to be made. So I play music and, you know, we have to make decisions on what tour or what's the next step, you know, if I write a book or if I'm going to write a song, you know, what what is that? that next step. And he always encouraged me. He's always saying, listen, if God is initiating something, he's going to be all in it. If you're the one that initiates it, it's going to fall apart. You know, and I, I love that. And I've, that stuck with me, you know, and every time we get together, he's asking, so what, what is it that's going on in your life? And do you feel like it's God leading you? Or do you feel like it's you trying to make a decision and push your own agenda? And so he's always asked very poignant questions to me that have challenged me. And I, I love it. And so one thing that, you know, for me, personally, I started a ministry called Speaking Out of Ministries. I remember from just even knowing Dave, once in the Lord kind of 
showed me to turn this ministry because we go out and we do these evangelistic outreaches overseas, and it's been incredible. I remember God kind of spoke to me and said, "Listen, a lot of people, you know, when they start something, they'll they'll let me, you know, build the the three corners of the foundation. Kind of give me a vision of four corners of the foundation of something being built." A lot of people will let me build the three corners of the foundation. That's fourth one. I get very anxious, and they're like, "Okay, hurry up, let's let's do this." And they start kind of building on their own, and that will fail every single time, and it will eventually crumble down when you take any initiative on your own, you know, into your own self. And so I remember that what Dave kind of has spoken to me has been something that has radiated in me completely to the point where you know making decisions is like, God, you have to be in this. Abide in me, and I in you, and you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So he tells me. I mean, if I abide in him, he in me, then I'm going to bear fruit. But apart from him, anything that I may do, uh, it's, it's, it's nothing I can do without him. He mentioned, too, uh, a specific story. I think it was several years ago. And uh, you were getting together with your leadership team to whiteboard. And something <laughs> significant happened that day. Would you mind sharing your perspective on that experience? Yeah, I remember he was just saying, hey, you guys, you know, I encourage you guys to get together. And there was three of us. And don't don't say anything for an hour. Just, just pray. Just li- Actually, don't even pray. <laughs> you guys, listen to the Lord. Listen to the Lord's voice. And I remember we went down in the basement, and we literally just didn't say anything. We just tried to listen to the Lord's voice. And he said, if something comes up, write it down. You know, if you feel like the Lord lands something on your heart, write it down. And so I remember we took an hour, and think about it, an hour in complete silence, just trying to hear the Lord with you know, two other guys. Sometimes at first it'd be like, okay, you know, and our brains are kind of spinning. But finally I can tell we all settled in, and it was like, there's this this kind of rad, you know, presence of the Lord in the room. And God was speaking to me and speaking to everybody else. And I remember we, we got down after an hour. And we all started sharing what the Lord laid in our heart. And I'm not kidding you. It was all the same thing. <laughs> it literally, I mean, we all had little bits and pieces of certain things, but the, the theme was literally was, I know it sounds funny, it was what I was talking about with, with building, let him build it. You know, if, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. And we were talking about that kind of principle of just going, the biggest thing that God was, was showing us is that He wants to do great things, but we have to wait and let Him do it. And that literally was the simple fact of it. So we all, He was almost just saying, hey, everybody, just wait. Wait. And that's sometimes the hardest thing when you have a vision, to wait. Because you want to go, I'm going to run with this vision. People without a vision, they perish. So, so we have a vision, let's run with it. And which is great, but He was saying, wait, let me do it. Let me once again the in all of this, I'm initiating this, and I want to permeate every every ounce of that. And so we all kind of had, I mean, there was other little elements too to that, but the wrapping was we all kind of had the same thing. That's awesome, man. And you probably came away from that, not just with clarity of vision, but encouragement in your spirits from the Lord. Like, wow, like we just heard from God. <laughs> I know. And we, we all, it's so funny. We, I think we kind of laughed afterwards. And we're like, of course, like we're, why wouldn't we? We're followers of Jesus. My sheep hear my voice and they follow us. Like we just stop and listen. He's trying to speak, but we just are too busy to, to stop and hear it. You know, when you're in prayer, 
you know, I think one thing that, that me and my wife, we've talked about, you know, continuously, when you're in prayer and you're waiting on the Lord, then it's a lot easier to hear. But if you're not really ever waiting, and we have a generation where it's constantly noise all around us, and we have a hard time with the Scripture that says, be still and know about God. I mean, we, we don't want to be still and just understand that He is the Lord of our life. I mean, we a lot of times start putting ourselves on the throne and building our own kingdoms around us. And that's just, I've seen the effect of that, even in my own life. You know, when I start stepping forward into, once again, my own initiation, it, it does. I have no joy. That's one thing that, for me, I, I always tell people, I mean, do you have joy? You know, and, well, not really. <laughs> do you have peace? No, not really. I mean, if those two things just right there aren't there, then you have to ask yourself, is this me or is this the Lord? Because I really believe that if it's the Lord, you're going to have, I mean, that doesn't mean it's not going to be difficult. People sometimes think that if it's a challenge, that this is not the Lord, it's a red flag. And that's not true. doesn't mean that, I mean, it's a challenge as we press forward. The enemy is going to try to attack on both sides. He's here to steal, kill, and destroy. So there's going to be a challenge when you're pressing forward and, and moving forward when God wants you to do, the enemy doesn't want you to. But in the midst of that, you, sh- you can still have joy and still have peace, knowing that he's with you, knowing that he's the one that calls you to do it. And so I just always look at prayer and that principle just saying, Okay, God, do I have peace? Do I have joy? That doesn't mean it's going to be easy, you know, because it's not, this is not the, the walk we live. I mean, look at Paul. I love Paul. He was, you know, a guy who was constantly shipwrecked and beaten and put in prison and all these bad things happened to him. But he goes, hey, in Acts 20, 24, none of these things move me because I don't count my life dear to myself. He's saying, my life's not my own. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. He goes, but I'm going to finish this race that God has given me in the ministry set before me to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. You know, I'm going to finish this race with joy. I forgot to put that in there. Finish this race with joy in the ministry set before me to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And so I think for me, that's just what it is. It doesn't mean it's not going to be challenging, and I know that, but it means in the midst of that we should still have peace and still have joy. And that's that's the what I look for in the decisions that I make. What results have you seen in his life from that since then? Yeah, he I was just with him um actually last Sunday night him and Mandisa have been touring doing uh, concerts together called the I, I think it was the I Will Follow tour. And um you know, I've watched like I know of a particular city in our country that he has had a real burden for, but it's like um it's like the Lord's not initiating there yet. Mm. The doors aren't opening. He would have to kind of get the dump truck up and ram it through walls to do what he wants to do. It's just not happening. Mm. But it's still in his heart, so he's praying over it. But what he's what it caused him to do is shift and say, okay, even though I want this city, mm-hmm. I feel like the Lord's opening doors in India and different nations. And it's like it's obvious that he's saying, come here. And mm. so he's been doing that. And because of that, the Lord's given him tremendous favor in lots of places. And I'm watching the fruit. Again, this is just one little seed that's been sown into a life. His dad and mom pastoring. He's one of those really godly men mm-hmm. in our culture. And my my coming alongside was just to encourage and move him along in that direction. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's really interesting to me that as an organization, Lionshare is focused on the 12 domains of society. Yeah. Where does that come from again? So my here's my journey with it is when I joined Youth of the Mission as an 18-year-old, Lauren Cunningham and Bill Bright about two years before this, so the mid-70s, had compared notes. And they YOM calls it the seven spheres. 
And so it is, it's just, it's family, government, um, media, arts, entertainment, sports, business, and I'm missing one, education. And it was interesting because Bill Bright of Crusade, Lauren Cunningham of Wyoming, and then Francis Schaeffer, all about that same time started hearing some of the same things. How do we influence culture? So as an 18-year-old in 1977, this is what I'm learning. And it's really fresh in the YOM culture. So we're praying for the spheres of society, all this. Well, because of pastoring over the years, I and just time going by, things like science and technology and health, I mean, it's just exploded. And they don't really fit in the other seven. So as an organization, we've just referred to them as the dozen domains. And how do we deliberately see disciples made in each area of society. And, um, and so um, it's, that's been really fun for me to watch, Chad, because when you get government guys who start walking in the things of God and they get it and you say, hey, see dude over here, he loves Jesus, but he's never had any discipling. Yeah, start pouring in. Mm. I mean, and imagine the ripple effect. Yeah. And that's where I believe that disciple-making is a key to the transformation of society. But it's if the church isn't obeying Jesus and doing it, uh-huh. we're going to keep having swing and misses. Earlier, we heard from Lauren Cunningham, the founder of YWAM. And now it's time to hear more from him as we wrap up. He shares with me the main message he believes that the North American church needs to hear today with regard to disciple-making. He also talks about the importance of the Word of God in discipleship. Lauren, with the final word for this episode. Regarding the Word of God, I think, you know, I believe the Father authorized it, the Holy Spirit anointed it, and Jesus is really in every book. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word put on flesh and dwelt among us, John 1.1. 1, 1. And uh, if God can anoint the Word to a person to write it, He can anoint the Word to a person to, who reads it. And so I think that's the part that is so important. I, yeah, I studied systems of theology. I also studied uh, philosophy and religion in the University of Southern California. But it's not a system. The Bible is not a system. It is written for relationships. And uh, there was relationships, there were relationships before the university existed. And there will be relationships eternally. So God is bringing us into relationships, not only through his son with himself as a part of the family of God, but he's also, uh, he is also helping us to, to learn to relate to one another here on earth, even some of the vilest sinners. And so he, he has some pretty strong words about forgiving and about uh, loving even our enemies. So I think we have to learn along the way so that we can become day by day more like Jesus from glory to glory. If you were to broadcast one message to the world uh, right now about disciple making, as you look at especially the Western context, I know you're traveling all over the world, but as you think about North America and what we need to hear about disciple making, what would you tell everyone? Well, I've just been in Eastern Europe for about two months, and uh, I would say the same thing there to, as I would to Americans. And that is, first, learn to listen to the, to the Lord, then obey it without reservation, and then trust Him 
to do what he will do in his own time through every test. And it's just that simple. You don't need to make it complex. And he will not only direct your path, but disciple you both in your character and in, in the spirit. And that's the main message that I'd get across. It's again about relationships. This one is vertical. And, uh, and the stronger you get vertically, then the more uh, effective you can be horizontally with other people. And uh, that's, that's my message. You've been listening to the Disciple Makers podcast by discipleship.org. Learn how you can grow as a disciple maker by visiting discipleship.org. Make sure to register and join us this October for the National Disciple Makers Forum in Nashville, Tennessee.